Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 114. Welcome to the Secrets of Real Estate Investing Show, where you'll learn powerful strategies from top experts to take your investments to the next level. Here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing. We have with us a repeat guest, which I was so excited to have on. I love to get updates from our past guests on what has been going on with them. We have with us today, Andrea Arcega, who is also on episode 50. Today we're episode 114, so it's been a while and I'm super glad to have her back. So with that, welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you. Thanks, Holly. Glad to be back. So give us um, a quick synopsis of your background for people that maybe just are listening to this for the first time and don't know your background. Sure. So again, my name is Andrea Arcega and I'm, the, I'm a broker and I'm the owner of Black Label Brokers. And I also have an investing uh, group or LLC, and that is Pretty in Pink Properties. Oh, I've been what a fun name. <laughs> I've been in the business about uh, 20 years now, uh, about 10 years in mortgage, uh, you know, doing uh, mortgages for people as a loan officer. And then the rest of the time was as a real estate agent, broker. And in the last, oh, I guess it's about four years now, I have been an investor as well. Very good. And now are you doing any realtor work still or are you focusing primarily on the real estate investing? Yes. Uh, I actually was running a real estate brokerage with quite a few agents and I kind of transitioned that into getting more uh, serious and full-time in investing. And I'll, I have to be honest, I kind of was poo-pooing the whole retail sales world because I was really excited um, about investing. And that was in the last say year or so. And I think that I've actually come to realize and appreciate the bread and butter of real estate sales. Um, it's not something that you can avoid anyways when you're in the real estate investing realm. Uh, and so I've come full circle and I can say at this point, and I would like to announce this actually, I have realized what a blessing it was to have the background in mortgage and as an agent and broker and to bring that to investing, I think really opened up the world, the world of investing more so than it probably does for people who don't have that background. Uh, and I've come to have a passion to train agents that don't know anything about investing and are losing, you know, sleep over their transactions, living commission check to commission check, missing out on children's you know, holidays and children's uh, activities because they work so much showing buyers and, and you know, representing um, sellers. And so my mission for this year is actually to bridge the gap for real estate agents that would like to understand investing, how to better service investors so that they can have repeat customers. As, as you know, investors buy lots a year, not once every five years. And more importantly, how to actually open the world up to become investors themselves. So that's where I am in 2019. But in 2018, I wasn't really doing a lot of real estate retail stuff, but I am back to doing that. And that, and opening my brokerage to um, agents again. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, thanks for sharing all that. Well, um, today, listeners, we're going to have Andrea talk about a couple of her deals um, from 2018. I love to get the real stories from real investors of what's going on, especially currently. So 
with that, Andrea, why don't you tell us about your first deal that you want to share today and some of the ins and outs, how you got it and the lessons learned and the whole thing. Okay, sure. So one of the things that I've enjoyed doing as an investor is really understanding the seller financing aspect. And I think as we uh, move into more of a shifty market, uh, we keep saying shift now, um, which I don't completely buy into, but now that we uh, have some movement and a lot of people screaming shift um, and sellers may be being, um, moving into more of a fear-based selling uh, Thought, you know, thought process. I think seller financing may become more popular again, something that I've done several times now. Um, and so I'd like to share that one with you first. So I did a property, a very little two bedroom, uh, one bath property in the city of Los Angeles. Uh, I actually, and again, this shows you how retail and investment really do um, mesh. I had put them into this property a few years uh, prior to um, to the invest to it becoming an investment for me, and they were actually going through a divorce, and hadn't put any work into the property, and it really didn't look very good. And one had already moved out, and so it was you know kind of dramatic. And I sat down with both of them at the kitchen and said, you know, what would you like to do? And they really just wanted to get out as quickly as possible. Uh, they didn't have any money to fix the property. They really didn't want to put any time and effort into any of that, and it was quite emotional, so uh, it was really just kind of a take their money and run situation. So I was able to uh, you know, figure out their needs and from that make a plan to take over their mortgage payments immediately so that the weight of having two households to support was off of both of their shoulders. And uh, I took over their mortgage payments immediately. They were, um, so basically I wrapped the mortgage, meaning that I became responsible for that mortgage payment. They still legally were responsible. That's something you have to know. Wraps something you would look up because it's a little bit complicated and you definitely want to use an escrow company who knows how to do those because that, that can get a little hairy. But uh, so I took that over and that really helped them out and then decided on a a lump sum to give them immediately and then a percentage to give them at, at close of escrow of my net proceeds. So that's how we worked it out and they felt really good about it. Their other option would have been to sell it cash on the market uh, and they just didn't feel like they even wanted people traipsing through the property until the second person could move out. And so, you know, it just worked out for them. So, so I quick question. So you mm -hmm. actually executed a purchase through escrow and you officially owned it, but you kept their mortgage in place on it and gave them some money up front, right? Correct. So okay. we closed escrow. I became the new owner on title, um, but I kept their mortgage in place and continued to make their payments. And then what I did with them financially was kind of a side note and something that was in a separate written agreement um, that, you know, of course you notarize and you want to have it worded properly to protect both sides, especially to protect the sellers because they're the ones that, you know, as a licensed broker, my responsibility is to protect them, even though they are, you know, even though I was buying the property for them, I have a huge fiduciary responsibility, even more so as a broker to do the right thing for them. Mm -hmm. So that's how we structured that particular deal. And then, um, I will share with you. So that was a win, obviously, uh, but a mistake that I made on that transaction is two things. One is I uh, kind of delayed a bit in closing that transaction. So time went by, I let them stay a little bit too long and I, um, and that was okay, but it, it took a little bit too long. 
And, and then I had another project that was starting. So that kind of gave me a lot of pressure. I should have just closed it quicker, started the project faster. And I didn't do that. Secondly, because I was seller financing and didn't need any money to actually purchase the property, just a very small lump sum for each of them, which I was able to pay out of pocket. I thought, you know, all I have to do is fix it up and I'll just use my own money, right? Because I've got some money on the side to do that. And, you know, I've got, you know, commissions coming in and whatnot. And, you know, I can make that happen. Well, that was a mistake because, you know, they always say, don't, um, don't be cash, you know, don't let yourself be cash poor and utilize other people's money, right? Get hard money loan, get it all put in one place in the bank account and, you know, go as fast as possible. Well, because I decided to do it myself, I had to move slower because I did, you know, I paid one guy and then the next thing I did as soon as I could. And so it just dragged on and on. And I finally ended up taking a loan, um, you know, and probably lost a good amount of money because time is money. Yes. So I think in that, I'll never do that again. Even if I feel like I can afford to do an investment again, I will probably always seek out a large padding, even if that's all it is as a hard money loan or private money. I don't think I'll ever, uh, do it on my own again, because you know, that was that time. It really just took too much time. And I'm probably, I would say I probably lost, the transaction would have been a couple hundred thousand dollars. It was a nice meaty transaction. And I probably lost about half of that just doing it wrong because I also was hiring people and thinking more hiring people on the skinny, you know, kind of cheaper work because I was doing it myself. I was um, subbing it out myself. And when we did the home inspection, there were things that just weren't done quite right that the buyer wasn't comfortable with. So I lost the first buyer and then stayed on the market. It was just crickets for a couple of months. And that took you know, time and money because I'm still paying the mortgage. And then I ended up getting that same buyer back, but had to do some foundation work and fix some electrical stuff that he wasn't, his inspector wasn't comfortable with. So again, all in all, it was really truly because I didn't take out that loan and just hire a contractor right off the bat. So that's what you would have done. So a couple of things sounds like you would have done differently. Number one, gotten the previous owners out sooner. Is that what you're talking about? Getting them and it wasn't so much getting them out sooner. It was even when they were out, I just dragged my feet on closing the escrow. I didn't oh. I I wasn't I was kind of trying to time it with another project versus just getting it done and thinking about the timeline, setting deadlines and sticking with them. I was very lackadaisical about it because it was such an easy transaction, because I knew the people, because they had already gotten paid out. They didn't care what I was doing. And then there was some stress about having a vacant home in certain, a certain part of LA. So just overall, it could have been handled a lot more efficiently. Yeah, def definitely. I understand that. Boy, I, f I feel like every deal I do could be more efficient Don't you, you know, yeah. in hindsight, especially like, well, if I'd done this better and been on top of that contractor or got a different contractor. Yeah, it's, it's easy yeah. to second get your guess yourself. Yeah. So, um, but you still ended up making some money at the end of the day, I hope, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> good, good, good. That's always great. Well, tell us then about um, your second deal that you're willing to share with us today. Absolutely. Okay. So the second deal is actually in another part of Los Angeles. It's what I call, so the first area that I did it in was kind of uh, just a flat area, meaning that, you know, it was single family homes, all small, um, not a lot of movement and sales in that, in that area. So it was, it wasn't, uh, whatever I had comped it out at, it was probably going to stay about that value. Hmm. This particular property that I took on, um, and I'd like to share how I found it because that's everybody, I know that I always ask that question first. 
How did you get the deal? I got the deal through the MLS. I actually didn't get it. My partner actually was taking Iris's 60 day challenge and during her homework for it uh, was searching on like Zillow and saw the property and saw that it had been in the market for a long time, brought it to my attention and I started making some calls. And I would like to share this part of it because a lot of people who are agents and brokers feel like the deals aren't on the MLS or so seldom that they find them on the MLS, they don't spend a lot of time looking there. Um, I disagree with that. If there are certain criteria that you can look at, and if you actually take the time to make the call to the agent and ask the appropriate questions, you'd be surprised what you find out. In this particular case, this agent, although he didn't admit it right away, or never really did admit it, he, ha he, was, um, he was defeated by this property. It had two different, it was a single family residence that had been illegally split into two, and it had two different tenants. One did not speak English, and the other one was kind of a passive aggressive type. So he wouldn't say what he wanted or didn't want or whether he'd move, he would just kind of be really agreeable, but then he just stubbornly wouldn't really do anything. So, uh, and he wanted a lot of money to move. So this agent and the owner who was an older gentleman who didn't live in the area, I think both of them were really defeated. And, the, and so the property stayed on the market for quite a while calling and asking the right questions and it really has to do with the questions and your demeanor and trying to just be a helpful soul in the in the process opened it up for me where i actually got them to let me go in and speak to both tenants so i could assess what was happening i speak spanish the gal in the back speaks spanish um so i was able to see what was happening and pretty much why it wasn't selling and you know after i did my um, comps and, and decided what i would want to pay for the property and made sure that the seller was on board with, you know, somewhere around that range. Then I took the time to drive to LA, meet with those two tenants. And really I facilitated the entire deal by doing that because I was able to determine, you know, what their motivation was, how much I was gonna have to put to the bottom line to pay off both of these guys to leave. You know, I could tell how many people were living in the first unit and, you know, really assess the whole situation um, because my experience level was much greater than the listing agent. So let me jump in and ask you, how many people were living in the first unit and how many bedrooms was it? Was that an issue or not? Okay, so the the front unit was thrown to two bedrooms and a makeshift bedroom and one bathroom. And I would say there was probably about six to eight people living there. Wow. Maybe more, okay. maybe more. Um, in the back, it was two people living in there and it was a one bedroom, one bath, two story, kind of like a little mini townhome sort of the way that it, the way that it, the way that it was built. It was a 1900, like 1910 or 1920 home. Um, really in very, very, very poor shape. I mean, so just there was, 100 years old and a, it was a hundred year home. Year probably old some home. deferred maintenance. <laughs> oh, I mean, they, I don't think they had ever updated. They had updated very few things. And when they did, they did it on the cheap. So it, it was a really bad, bad house in bad condition so i walked the property um you know negotiated with the tenants it took a few trips to negotiate um had to call the city um, because there is rent control in la and deal with a lot of that kind of stuff there were mistakes made on my part because i 
um, made calls to certain places and was getting kind of 50% of people were saying one thing and the other 50 were saying another. And I was talking to lawyers and I was talking to the city. I was looking online and I, I think it's one of the a case of hearing what I wanted to hear. And long story short, well, this, this is a long story period, but on in terms of the tenants, when you have a, a, a property in Los Angeles or in any rent control area that was illegally rented, like the garage was rented out illegally or they blocked off a wall and, and rented it to two different parties, even if that property is an SFR, which wouldn't be considered in, under rent control, once you, once you illegally rent out another piece of it, it automatically falls under rent control. And rent control in LA um, is quite strict and they require if the person's over 50, uh, 50 years old, right around $15,000, no, I'm sorry, $19,900 or something like that to, to make, to, be asked to move. Oh my gosh. Even if you're now, the new is that owner. per person or per? No, it's per family. It's per family. Okay. So, so um, on your been, front unit, how many, I mean, would that just be per that whole unit or did you have to pay that more than? Just based on the lease. Okay. Just based on the one month to month rental, you know, um, contract that, that I inherited. And then in the back, um, you know, it was about, I think it was right around 10,900 or something like that. So it was a pretty significant amount of money I was going to need to pay these tenants. And I knew that going in and there was enough margin for that in case that happened. And it did happen that he was strong arming me. He wanted the money in advance and cash. Then he would move later. You know, it was just kind of a really crazy situation. And we ended up having to go to, um, you know, court to evict. I had to go to LA court early morning, like three different times. And if you can even imagine what that's like, it's absolutely horrendous. <laughs> um, so I was dealing with all of that stuff. So that happened on that particular transaction. I also had um, one thing that I want to mention is, well, it's a, it's a, it's a great story in that I found it on the MLS. There was a good margin there and it was, um, an emerging market because this property was just blocks away from USC and just in an area that I could see just from driving around that there was a lot of new construction, you know, people were remodeling and developers were picking up um, commercial properties and, and because they were putting in that, um, the new stadium just literally down the street from there. So, um, and then of course USC started, was probably about 11 minute bike ride to, to this property. So I had lots of different ideas and what I was going to do with it. I got um, a, a hard money loan to begin with on the first, that was about $3,500 a month. And I share that cause it was sizable. And then, you know, and realize I'm six, five, four, five months in six months in at $3,500 a month. And I still have tenants in there. Oh, when man. I finally got them out, they left so much trash. They literally purposely left it on the street. So I would get cited. So when I went there the next morning, the day they were supposed to leave, um, it was all over the street and I had to immediately call a dump company and pay whatever they wanted to charge me because I had, you know, I wanted to go home and I had to wait there for them to pick up all the trash because I couldn't leave it overnight because I would have probably had fines. Wow. So those are the kind of things that can, that can happen. Um, I say, I'll, I'm going to share this story with you because it was, um, it made it what I considered kind of a tough year in 2018, but really to to turn my frown upside down, it was actually the best year I ever had because I got through it. I learned so, so, so much. So anyways, past the tenants, uh, you know, I demoed the property and then the, so I had a first, I also had gotten a friend of mine who was begging me to be taught what I was doing and wanted to be a part of it and wanted to learn. Um, 
said, I want to do a deal with you. And I said, well, I'll let you know when I have my next one. And I did, I said, okay, I've got this property going in LA and this is the circuit, you know, this is what I need. This is how much money I need for the gap funding. And I'll, you know, teach you the ropes and, and, you know, so on and so forth. And she was super excited. You know, where do I sign? Where do I wire? Let's do this. I've done some investments in the past, but nothing, you know, no fix and flips. So, um, I didn't really vet her well enough. I didn't really think about her risk aversion issues or, you know, the fact that she's one of a kind of a big spender. So she might have the money today and need it tomorrow. And that's exactly what happened. So, you know, before the tenants were even out, she started kind of harassing me about the money, wanting the money back. And I said, you know, we've got a six month note plus an extension. Um, so I can extend another six months because I knew that there would be tenant issues. And I told you that. And she really just um, wanted her money back and was like, can you sell my interest to somebody else? Which of course, that's a really hard thing to do when you're in the middle of a transaction and the property's just barely being demoed. So fast forward to, you know, the lesson was make sure that you, you know, money can come from the sky sometimes when you've got a good deal, but it's really important to vet who you're going to get into bed with on transactions because it was very, very stressful to have a friend slash partner or investor harassing you, talking to other friends about it. And it oh, just, it, just awful. Got, it was awful. It was awful. And then, you know, on top of that, I had, you know, unfortunately my mom passed away right around that same time. So I, it was just raining, it, you know, on my head and yeah. And it was awful. And it, you know, and as an investor, and I'm a seasoned person, I wouldn't say I've been investing that long, but I've been around. I've owned many, many properties and flipped my own personal properties. Um, I'm pretty confident. And really, that shook me enough that it slowed my investment career down because it was just really stressful. That was a big, big learning, you know, a mistake. So what ended up happening is uh, I was, she started to uh, kind of threaten to foreclose and wouldn't give me the written extension, even though the note called for it. So I had to get a lawyer involved and she got a lawyer involved who was actually a friend of mine that we both knew mutually. So that was just, you know, stressful. Oh and then, yeah, it was awful. And then I said, well, um, I'm not gonna keep fixing it because you're gonna foreclose on it and you're not gonna let me finish my investment. So what we, I ended up doing, and this again is, I don't know what, how an investor would have handled this that didn't have my background. And that's why I think it's so important to kind of have both. So what I did was I put the property, even though it was demoed, right? And for, at a glance, you'd think there's no way you're gonna get even break even on paying your first and your second back because the property is horrible. And you know the market was starting to rise, but not that fast. Um, so I put it on the MLS and thought, well, let me just give it a shot. So I put it on the MLS myself, started fielding phone calls. Of course, a lot of no's, a lot of you're crazy. I'm not going to give, you know, you know, a lot of uh, low ball offers compared to what I needed to make my first and my second hole. And literally to just dump this project and move on because that's mentally what I needed to do. And I was very fortunate to find a developer who wanted to see, so remember, this is one thing you have to think about as an investor, even as an agent, we see properties one way, but the next guy that you ask might see a completely different best use of that land. And your experience says everything. So I don't have experience as a developer. I haven't done ground up builds. I haven't built apartment buildings. These guys had, so they saw that I saw an old house that needed to be fixed up 
and best case scenario turned into student housing or you know multiple Airbnb rentals um, turned into a duplex because it already had a lot of that components you know uh, already put in place for the utilities and stuff but a developer saw it as a, a great piece of land in an up-and-coming area that he could put 12 16 units on so, so that was way beyond the, any of the way that I anything I know right so while I'm crying, thinking I'm not going to be able to ever sell this property, I'm screwed, you know, for lack of a better term. This guy came in and said, this is what I'll do with it. I'll take it. And I was able to make both of them whole. Now, the second person, the second, the gap funder in my pain in my butt that year, who wouldn't uh, support me to continue the project, um, was actually threatening to foreclose, wouldn't take a dollar less, wouldn't take just what she was owed and not separate, maybe not the interest because she didn't allow me to, you know, uh, since I lost so much money and she didn't allow me to make any money on the project. So my attorney recommended that I just make her whole and then if I decide so, I could go after her and, and sue her, which is crazy to talk about because it's the first time I've ever sued anybody in my life. But I went through so much. I had three transactions that I couldn't pursue because I was too busy drowning on that property. Oh so my I gosh. Wow. Did yeah, I actually did uh, make the decision after some, some thought to uh, go after her for the amount of money that I should have made on that property. And I won. Wow. Yeah, I was just, I was just informed that I basically, I basically won. So, yeah. So well, congratulations, I think. Thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it was a long road. And again, I don't think I would do it again only because of the stress that it put my family through and myself. Yeah. And, you know, I could have done three or four deals for that one that we just dragged on and on. But I will say that it was the best learning experience. I mean, I dealt with, um, you know, understanding and getting more confidence in dealing with the MLS, um, you know, working with an, another agent and not really stepping on his toes, but working in unison with him to be able to get the property, right? You know, because otherwise he was going to lose the listing. So, you know, that was, that was a win. Uh, tenant issues. I found an amazing attorney that helped me with getting the tenants out. I understand now how the LA, um, you know, tenant laws work. You know, it, it just like everything happens for a reason, they say. So I just feel kind of like I got my warrior investor badge this last year. So, yeah, I'm excited for I'm excited for 2019 because, I mean, there's no way it's not. It's going to be awesome. Nothing can be harder than that. So did you end up making money, losing money or breaking even on that last one that you talked about? Uh, I lost money. But now with the lawsuit and winning the lawsuit, I will um, I will be probably at about break even. Okay. Not, no, I'm sorry, not break even. I will make exactly what I should have made after attorney's fees and, and everything else. I will probably make dollar for dollar what I would have made had I just fixed the project up, sold it the way that I had planned to. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I'm really yeah. glad for you. You sure went through a lot for that. And it was way more time and energy than you probably initially anticipated yes. as well. Oh. It can end, I'm telling you, that kind of transaction can end an investor's career for many reasons. Had I had more than one other transaction floating, I could have lost other transactions and lost more money. And, you know, it set me back quite a bit uh, mentally and financially. But I will tell you that, you know, I've shared that story. It's a hard story to, sh to share because, you know, it brings back stuff I don't want to want to think about. But I share it because you're going to have great years, you're gonna have great transactions, and you're gonna have really piss poor ones. 
Yes. And that's just the name of the game. And if you can get past them, if you can be solution-based, not crying yourself to sleep and just thinking, what can I do next? I mean, I put it on the MLS, even though I thought 100% in my mind, there's no one that's going to pay what I need to get out of this project. Because I called a broker girlfriend of mine and said, this is my situation. I'm feeling despair and I can't get past, you know, looking this, at, at, at the problem. And she said, shut up, hang up the phone and put it on the MLS right now. <laughs> and it had she not said that, and let me say her name. It's Tina, Tina Hernandez. She actually owns the Omni Group. She's an amazing investor, uh, has a, a brokerage in Oxnard and one here in Santa Ana. And she not said, shut up and put it on the MLS and don't call me back till you have. I would, I don't know, I probably would have lost the property because, and that's another thing, you've got to go, you have to have a network. You have to trust your friends. Two heads are better than one, and we don't know it all. And sometimes, even at, even um, as um, confident as I feel like I am, and even as solution-based as I am, I mean, I've gotten myself out of all kinds of things because I always look at the bright side and I always find a way. Sometimes you need to go out to somebody else and get advice and heed that advice. And and so that it was a, a really an amazing year and a really eye-opening for me that I really learned a lot and became stronger and a better investor. So this year, as I told you, I'm I'm uh, following my passion to open the door to other agents like myself. I was a single mom the whole time I was a real estate agent in mortgage and in mortgage. Lost a lot of good years with my kids that I can't get back. And I would watch people around me be investors and didn't understand how to open that door for myself and no one was opening it for me. And that's why I have this passion to do that for others. That's why this year, that's, it's my year to give back. And I'm also um, not being afraid this year. I tended to be afraid at every project, have panics, panic attacks about every project, whether there was somebody that broke in or I was worried about you know, the numbers or whatever the case was. I, I ran scared a little bit in my investing career. And this year that's really changed for me. I'm actually right now negotiating on some lots so that I can do my first ground up builds of SFRs. And wow. I, I never thought I would be doing that. You know, I went and met with um, a guy who's doing it. Uh, and he opened the door there for me and just showed me how easy it is. And I thought, why not? You know, why hold, this is just the other side of flipping. Cause I know you flip and I flip too, but why hold a $500,000 note or a $300,000 note? If, you know, for those of us that don't have that kind of cash to buy it outright, um, when you can buy a 50, 60, 70, $100,000 piece of land that you have to hold while you build. You know what I mean? And the difference in the payment for that, um, I've been in the partnerships for that. It's just, there's a lot of upside there. So that's what I'm doing. That's cool. So we'll have to do an interview when those are done and you can tell us all about those stories. Yes, <laughs> good. I will. Just the negotiating on land has been really interesting. Oh yeah. It's a whole different animal for sure. It is. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing um, the raw, the real uh, stories of these two deals. I think it's been really interesting and really helpful. And yes. listeners, don't be discouraged. Look at Andrea pulled herself out of it. She's still pressing forward. Persevere. Call your friends, call your peers, call your mentors, whoever, when you hit challenges and get through it. So um, for those of you listening, if you'd like to get the show notes for today's show, you're going to go to hardhatholly.com forward slash 114. We are show 114. 
That's hardhatholly.com forward slash 114. Also, to be on our weekly text alerts of when we have new shows coming out and new free downloads, just text to the number 38470. That's 38470. You're going to text hard hat, all one word, no spaces, to 38470. Hop on my little text alerts. You'll get a text once a week um, when we have new shows and new great freebie downloads there. So, Andrea, what are your final words of parting advice you have for us uh be brave and but listen to your gut sometimes it's not fear in the project sometimes i had gut feelings about that second project i really felt uncomfortable about it from the get-go and i thought it was me being scared to do the project but it was something more than that and i didn't follow my intuition mm. um i you know in in terms of not moving forward with that project so there's a fine line between knowing that you're just being a little scared about a project and thinking, you know what, maybe this isn't the one for me. Listen to your gut, number one, but just overall, just be brave because investing is an amazing, amazing career to have. There's ups and downs, but there's lots of money to be made. And you really can't have the kind of time that we have to ourselves and make the kind of money that we do and help the people that we have in any other career that I've ever seen. I just think real estate is amazing in whatever sector of real estate you're in, you know, congratulations. You know, you work for yourself. That's something to be proud of. And, you know, if you ever need help, you know, definitely put my email address there. I love to help people. That's another thing. Whatever you learn, share it, people. Share, share, share. You will get it back tenfold. Thank you so much. And you know yeah, that. And what's your, what's your website too, if people want to find you online? Absolutely. So the best place to find me really, um, uh, would be just to email me or text me directly at this point. So my number is 714-501-9155. My email is andrea at blacklabelbrokers.com. You can also find me on Instagram. Uh, my personal Instagram is the best place to start and that'll lead you everywhere to my other companies. And that's at I am Andrea Arcega. I-A-M-A-N-D-R-E-A-A-R-C-I-G-A. -A -A. Start there at my Instagram and, and it'll take you everywhere. Cool. Thank you, Andrea. You've been awesome. Thanks for listening today. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review our show. And let us know in your review what you'd like to hear more of. For the show notes and free downloads for this episode and all others, go to hardhatholly.com.